Liverpool, Crystal Palace going on as we speak. You know what that means? That means what you're listening to right now is taped. But no less current because I taped it only 15 minutes ago. The Pirates split with the Cubs at PNC Park. And I give the Pirates credit for hanging in there. But they're five and a half games back with 37 games left and four teams they got to jump over. The Pirates are in that wild card race in theory, but not in actuality. But if they are in the race, if that's how they feel, if that's the philosophy, Adam Frazier needs to play every day, at least until he cools off. Adam Frazier is hitting 395 in August, and he won the game yesterday with a walk-off homer. If the Pirates aren't in the race, if that's what the franchise feels, if that's the philosophy moving forward, then Kevin Newman should start at shortstop so the Pirates can learn a little bit more what the infield prospect is all about. That's very frustrating about the way Hurdle manages. He tries to split the difference on everything. But the pitching was brilliant in that series against Chicago, and it would have been very easy to tank after dropping the first two games against the Cubs. But the Pirates did not. It's the Mark Madden Show. I am a super genius with a tested IQ of 166, and you can't teach that. But a boom smartest guy in the room. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. We got our football guru, Matt Williamson. He joins me at 315. Also taped. Uh, there was a weird instance in yesterday's Bucko game. When Marte didn't run out of grounder, he absolutely half-assed it. And Hurdle was waiting for him in the dugout. Hurdle got up and got at the bottom of the steps to wait for Marte. And Marte avoided him and went down the other steps. And that's where it ended. Hurdle didn't go after him. It was an odd moment. There were 24K at PNC Park yesterday, and at least half of those were Cubs fans. That was the case over the whole series. Half the crowd or more were Cubs fans. Hey, if Pittsburgh people aren't going to buy the tickets then there's nothing to prevent Chicago fans from making the purchase. I don't know if Pittsburgh fans should be embarrassed, as I keep hearing, but it does make for a weird atmosphere. Attendance hasn't picked up all that much since the two deals for Archer and Kellogg, or since the 11-game win streak. So maybe it's going to take more than what's happened, those trades, that streak, for the Pirates to win back Pittsburgh's trust. Uh, Pittsburgh sports fans turned up minimally at PNC Park, but it was different at Heinz Field. Over 20,000 people turned up to watch the Steelers practice. Practice. I mean, we talking about practice. I'm sorry, but I got to make fun of that. If you were at Heinz Field for Steelers practice, go to Amazon.com and purchase yourselves a life. And, of course, the Steelers charged admission... And the concession stands were open, so it's another nice payday for Pittsburgh's favorite sports team. By contrast, the Penguins have a free exhibition game for kids next month. Not a practice, but an exhibition game, and admission is free. Why on earth would you go watch football practice? 
let alone pay to see it. I just can't believe that. The WWE SummerSlam was last night. It was like six hours long. That's too long. And we're making a big deal over Ronda Rousey winning a fake championship when she used to have a real championship. But WWE got two women's champions. One is Ronda Rousey. One is Charlotte Flair, who won the SmackDown title last night. So check out my blog, the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com to see where I think that should be headed. I'll give you a hint. MetLife Stadium uh, next spring. So let me ask you in some questions. Are the Pirates still in the wild card race? How do you feel? How should they approach the rest of the regular season? I think the Frazier and Newman situations are perfect indicators. If you're in the race, play Frazier every day. If you're not, then give Newman experience at shortstop. Boy, did tie on pitch well yesterday. And then the bullpen kept throwing zeros. Santana, Kella, Rivero, and Rodriguez. Now the Pirates host the Braves tonight. Archer pitches for Pittsburgh. He should drill that Acuna kid right in the elbow with the first pitch. Kapow. Hey, Chris, a dollar if you do. That 11-game bucko winning streak skewed our perspective. That made us think the Pirates are a lot better than they are. Which is why, thank God, Archer and Kella uh, stay with the team uh, beyond this year. If they were rentals, none of that would make any sense now. As Gene Collier points out, the Pirates and Cubs had a weird series. The Pirates made more errors than they scored runs in the four games by a margin of 6-5. to five. And the Pirates were 2-for-23 with runners in scoring position. But somehow the Pirates won twice out of four games. I also want to talk about that Steeler defense. Matt Williams and I will drill down deep with that Steelers defensive platoon when he joins me in about 10 minutes. That defense could be the reason the Steelers don't win the division. And keep your eye on week one, that bronze game. If Josh Gordon is ready to go, and he might be, he's back from his, uh, his, his mental health treatment. If Gordon's ready to go, and you got Jarvis Landry there, and maybe yet Des Bryant, and the Browns got a good O-line, that game for the Steelers already shapes up as a trap game for sure. We're also going to talk about the NFL's helmet rule controversy. James Harrison tweeted, cut out the BS and put the flags on him. Right, because James Harrison is a real man. James, you're retired. I'm begging you, go away. Also going to talk to Matt Williamson about the notion that is is gaining momentum in some quarters that the Steelers should keep four quarterbacks, that they should keep Roethlisberger, Landry Jones, Mason Rudolph, and Josh Dobbs. If you think that my question for you is, why? My second question is, why are you so stupid? Josh Dobbs will never start one game in the National Football League. Not one. What exactly is the point of keeping him? And why do we always got to talk about the quarterbacks? I'd feel funny bidding on stuff in this because the guy was my friend and a guest on this show. But they're having an auction of the belongings of the late, great singer 
Ronnie James Dio, the Mario Lanza of heavy rock. Uh, naturally, they are selling 666 items. 666. Lots of music stuff. You know what item I'd like? Ronnie has the original painting that the album cover for The Last in Line uh, was taken from. That would be really cool to own that. But besides the music stuff, there's a lot of sports memorabilia. A lot of New York Yankee stuff, a baseball autograph by Mickey Mantle. People who heard Ronnie on the show shouldn't be surprised because you know like I do what a great sports fan Ronnie James Dio was. In fact, that was his primary attraction to come on the show because he liked to come on and, and talk sports. Up next, we got the football guru, Matt Williamson. I'm Mark Madden, 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Big Sexy. Hey, Mark. Love the show, man. You can have the iron sheet to humble one person. Who would it be? Sally Wiggins again. VX at 105.9. The Steelers have their third and perhaps most important preseason game this Saturday at Heinz Field when they host Tennessee. Joining me to talk about the state of the Steelers, it's our football guru, Matt Williamson. Matt, what were the big takeaways from the exhibition loss at Green Bay last Thursday? Well, I mean, I, I think many people are overreacting, but the defense was a little worrisome, that's for sure. I mean, some things we saw too much of last year with missed tackles or getting out of out of position or not taking proper angles to the ball, we saw again. And it was a mixed bag of, you know, who was good and bad at it. But, you know, they were without you know, maybe four of their best defensive players, so I think that's prominent, and Green Bay played their starters as against Aaron Rodgers. Um, I thought Mason Rudolph was average at best. That wasn't wonderful. But I also thought Washington and Connor have really asserted themselves and, and did once again and look like you know, prominent members of this team. And the biggest takeaway is they didn't suffer any injuries. Well, we'll get to Washington and Connor in just a little bit, but right now I want to stick with that defense because uh, it's duly noted that uh, five regulars didn't play at Green Bay, but I don't think it's too early to be at least worried about that side of the ball uh, because the fundamental errors were shocking. And you mentioned that there was good and bad out there. I think there was good and bad with some individuals. For example, I thought Terrell was always around the ball, but a lot of times Green Bay had the ball in the end zone when he was around, and it was just a, a mixed bag all around, and he kind of exemplified. Yeah, I think it'll be a real good learning experience for Edmonds, you know, that if you get behind a guy like Jimmy Graham, he's just going to box you out and you're in trouble, and Rodgers puts it where no one else can get it, and Graham does that to the best safeties in the league. I mean, that's just, I mean, these are potentially two Hall of Famers connected on that play. And even on the other one where the tight end beat him, you know, that. He was there, and he was close, and a great throw will often beat great coverage. Um, I don't have a lot of worries for him, but I do think it'll be an up-and-down season, and I think he'll have a lot of high moments. I think he'll have some learning experiences like that, too. And he has extreme athleticism, and that's what makes problems like that go away. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. Another note, though, that when I watch it a second time, I wonder because – the inside linebacker position for the Steelers is worrisome. You know, There's just not rangy athletes. And even whenever you saw three receivers, they almost always had two inside linebackers on the field. And my thought process was, man, I hope that they, you know, when, when the regular season comes around, 
they got to get one of those guys off the field. And if Williams and Bostick are out there, they're going to get picked on. But then the more I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe that's what they want right now. You know, for a preseason game, let's challenge these guys in the middle of the field with their coverage against three wide to see if they're getting any better or how bad off are they. And I think the answer is pretty obvious, that they just don't cover the range that you need at that position. Yeah, I think their inside linebackers stink from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. We knew Shazier was a big loss, Matt, but now that we've seen that D play a bit without him, it's amazing how much bigger the field seems, how much ground he really did cover. It's absolutely true, and there's kind of a saying in coaching that if you're slow at inside linebacker, your defense is slow, you know, because it's such an important position, it's such a rangy spot, and that's what they look like. You know, they're two steps behind in coverage. They're a little late getting to ball carriers in the run game. It's a real problem. I mean, but I do think there's ways around it in that, you never have two of them out there. I mean, even in, in first and ten against base personnel, play an extra safety. I mean, the Patriots played their base defense 15% last year. You know, they're 3-4. Why don't the Steelers do the same? I'm hoping that changes. It hasn't in preseason, but again, it might be to see where they're at. Uh, one inside linebacker note uh, that's positive, though, is Thomas, the young guy from Florida State, is a second, third round type player, but he fell for, you know, he was undrafted for off the field reasons. He's somebody I'm excited about because he's long, he's an athlete, he's very raw, he needs a lot of work, but I thought he played a really good game and at least gives you some hope of maybe they do have an athlete at that position that can develop. Matt, I agree, but they just won't play him. Uh, no, no, right, not for a while. Not, not for a while. Not it's the same with, with, with not playing two inside backers ever. Which I wouldn't do. I wouldn't play two inside backers ever. I'd take my chances with, like you said, the extra safety. Right. But that's too radical for them. The dime or the dollar, more than just occasionally, it's too radical for them, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, because the uh, if you, I'm optimistic because because the dollar now exists. Does that mean we might see dime when we saw nickel? Does that mean we're going to see nickel when we saw base? I'm hoping that way. I mean, just because if they created this dollar package, it makes me realize, makes me think that they do realize we need to get speed on the field no matter how you do it. And when it's you know matters for real, and certainly in, in this third preseason game, I'm really hoping that when an offense comes out with a back, two tight ends, and two receivers, you only have one of those inside linebackers out there. Because if you play, no, it doesn't matter who you play, unless it's Jacksonville, if you have those two guys on the field together, they will get picked apart. Now, I want to talk about the DBs for a second. We, we discussed Edmonds earlier. I'm tired of hearing that their young DBs still need more time. For example, you got Burns and Davis in their third seasons. Shouldn't they be better than they are? Shouldn't they be more established by now? Those two, absolutely. You know, I, I'm really excited about a guy like Sutton. I think he's going to end up being too good to keep off the field. You know, Burns and Davis, like you said, have played quite a bit of snaps. And, you know, you only get these guys for four or five years under a cheap contract if they're not producing by, you know, their third year. So you've got to look elsewhere. And it's not that they're bad players, but too many errors. I mean, that, that's a big thing we were talking about on the air yesterday was there's three or four of these defensive guys with high pedigree, pretty high draft picks that we don't need them to turn into Shazir or Paul Amalu. But if they could cut down on the mistakes, you know, Davis missed a ton of tackles. 
Burns has three or four plays every game where I watch the tape and I'm like, I'm not sure what he's thinking on that one. Or, you know, two it is still two up and down. If they could eliminate more of the down, even without adding the up, it would go a long way. Matt, uh, you mentioned the schemes before the dime, the dollar, etc. But can you out-scheme subpar talent? There's only so much the coaches can do if the players aren't good enough, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, but I don't think they need this defense to be a top-ten unit. You know, and if I think, you know, they have the potential to still be a good pass-rushing team. They led the league in sacks. I don't think that's going to happen again, of course. But they also didn't create a lot of turnovers. I bet they create more turnovers this year. If they can cut down on the mistakes, I mean, it's the – the missed tackles, the bad run fits, the miscommunications on the back end and allowing big plays that you're giving people, you're much better off. So, you know, will coaching help those things? I think so. I think having Brad, you know, Coach Bradley back as a defensive back coach could pay off quite a bit for several of these guys. But you're right. I mean, who are the difference makers? I mean, who are the, who are the pro bowlers? Who are the guys that transcend scheme and are just the best, one of the best players on the field? There's not a lot of them right now. We're talking to our football guru, Matt Williamson. Be sure to check out his website, mattwilliamsonfootball.com. Uh, now, let's get back to James Washington, the rookie receiver. You mentioned him a bit earlier. Can he play himself into a, a bigger role? He, he was excellent at Green Bay, I thought. He was, and he has been every step of the way. He showed up again big in practice yesterday. Uh, mini camp, OTAs, he jumped out the second he got in black and gold. And I think it's a crime if he isn't the number three receiver right now. I mean, he doesn't have to be super refined at the position. I mean, he could just be Sammy Coach, run fast down the sideline until he learns more and more. But I think he can be much more than that. Every, he's kind of like Juju a year ago. I mean, every time he's out there, he does something that's, Impressive. So, you know, considering who else is there, Hunter, Hayward Bay, I'm not even sure if they should make the team. I think Washington should be the clear number three in a major part of the offense. And they play with three receivers more than any other set. James Conner was also good at Green Bay. Yeah. And I think he could be a solid number two, but I can't imagine him replacing Bell in 2019. I think if he's a good two, that's enough. And I think that's his ceiling. What say you? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I give him a lot of credit, though. He looks much better this year. He's leaner. He's quicker. He looks better in protection. He's absolutely better catching the football. But is he the replacement? Is he the heir apparent? No. I mean, maybe he's a spot guy until a rookie passes him up, and you could live with that for a while. Or if Lev went down, I would give him 75% of the touches and Ridley 25% of the touches. But, no, is he the heir apparent? I don't think so. I got a bad feeling about Le'Veon Bell, Matt. Uh, obviously, we're still a while away before he even arrives at the facility. And he showed up late last year and still had a pretty good season. But this year, he's not only going to show up late, he's going to have one foot out the door, too. That's not a healthy situation. No, it probably isn't. But he does have a lot to play for. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's going to get in the open market, and if he comes off a subpar year his stock and his value will drop massively, you know, considering his background and his injuries and all those type of things and his workload. So he does have a lot to prove. Um, I've been saying for two years that I think he's a declining player, and I really feel pretty strongly about it after watching last year 
that I think he has less room for error than ever. So, yeah, I don't know that we should just assume that it's a slam dunk that he's one of the best backs in the league right now. Is there any way the Steelers keep four quarterbacks, and is there any reason they should? Because I can't see one. No, and I think Dobbs has gotten better, and I'm rooting for him. But in the end, he's not good or valuable enough to eat up a roster spot for just that reason. You know, I mean, and I don't think – I'm not sure that it's even far-fetched that they re-sign Landry Jones a year from now. That if Landry Jones is – I think he's a quality number two. But if he signs for about what he's making now and eventually is Rudolph's backup, then you kind of have your three for now and the future. I don't think people are going to be beating down Landry Jones' door to give him big money. And really, I mean, if you keep Dobbs, it probably only saves you the, the hassle of using another fifth-round pick on a quarterback like Omar Jacobs or somebody that no one ever hears about again. What is the helmet rule going to do to football and to the NFL, Matt? Uh, some people see it as something that will negatively impact the sport in a great way, and from what I've seen so far, that appears a possibility. It absolutely does, and it worries me a lot from a fan perspective, uh, from being able to watch the game and enjoy it. However, you know, we've seen rules in the past, and I guess I'm giving the NFL the benefit of the doubt here, that they'll throw a lot of flags in the preseason. They'll make a big note of it and make sure, pretty much make sure that every game has one of these calls so we can all talk about it like we are now. And then when the regular season comes around, I think there's a combination of let's tuck the flags away a little bit more in this case, and the players are more aware so we'll see. But if they call them at the same rate they have in the preseason, I have no doubt that the game will be negatively affected. Richard Sherman says it's impossible to adjust, to tackle the way that's being mandated. Is he right or wrong? Closer to right than wrong. You know, I mean, these guys have such muscle memory and have been tackling such a way for so long. I mean, unfortunately, Shazier's like the best example of this, is he was a head-down tackler. I mean, I think being more aware of it is helpful and clearly they're practicing it but they don't practice tackling like they used to there's not enough time these guys are too expensive and too valuable that i think it's something that the next generation will have to really reflect on where this i feel i really feel for these guys i'm being a safety in the nfl is brutal right now are we seeing the decline and fall of football is it going to gradually become smaller and lesser i highly doubt it i I really do i mean i do think fewer top kid athletes are going that direction but when i'm always asked this question or is football losing value entertainment value popularity what i always say is look at the value of the 32 franchises they all go up they all go up at an insane rate i mean that the the, the that's where the money is you know the, the money's in the owners you know, look what Carolina bought their team for and just sold it for. I mean, it's astronomical. I mean, I don't think it's going away. Matt, great stuff as always. Enjoy the third exhibition against Tennessee. Boy, this this one really has some significance, doesn't it? I mean, it's a preseason game, yeah, but the Steelers need to look better, don't they? Yeah, I think so. And, and it'd be nice just to see Ben and Brown and these guys out there. I mean, I, I'm not a big believer in play zero football before opening day. That's Matt Williamson. I'm Mark Madden. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, you struck my last nerve. You say that like you think I would remotely give a dump. But do go on. The X at 105.9.
Some interesting stuff from our football guru, Matt Williamson. Uh, I am convinced that the more the Steelers play diamond dollar, the better their defense can be. Not that it would be great, but it's their, their best chance. I just don't think that base defense with those inside backers can be any good. As you heard Matt say, New England only played its base defense 15% of the time. That's not a lot. Maybe the Steelers should follow that same path. And like Matt said quite urgently, might I add, keep those inside backers off the field. Matt said that the Steelers don't need to have a top 10 defense. I disagree. I think if they're to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, they do have to have a top 10 defense. And certainly, at the very least, a top 15. They've got to be in the top half of defenses if they're a contender. If they're just another team, if they're going to come kind of close like they have the last five years in the Belbron era, that's one thing. But uh, if they want to win the Super Bowl, that defense will have to overachieve dramatically. And I see no sign so far it's even remotely capable of doing that. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. The Steeler preseason game against Tennessee Saturday is going to be interesting. Uh, The defense has to prove something, if only to itself. Five regulars didn't play at all on defense at Green Bay. Hayward, Davis, Hilton, Watt, and Hayden. Those guys are key figures. Those guys contribute quite a bit. But the guys who did play couldn't cover and couldn't tackle. The five who didn't aren't going to come in and make up for all of that. The inside backers and DBs aren't very good. Again, that defense could be just awful. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I got some tweets about the notion of playing Adam Frazier every day. Because he's hitting uh, 395 in the month of August. He won the game last night with a walk-off home run. And the tweets ask me, well, where do you play him? That's easy. Play him at second base and bench Josh Harrison. Harrison sucks this year. He's having a crap season. His on-base percentage is just 298. They're going to try and unload him after this season or just buy him out for a million bucks. So play Frazier. A a hockey note, the NHL Network does its top 20 list at each position every offseason as we start to get ready for training camp. Uh, The list for wings just came out. Big Shot Bob's ranked number one. And Phil Kessel is only at number 13. That's a bit low, especially given the season Phil just had last year, career high in points, etc. But there are a lot of good wings out there, and Phil's always going to be underrated because he doesn't look the part. Kucherov is number one on the list, and Ovechkin is number two. I would definitely reverse that. I'd put Ovi number one. And to be fair, there aren't many guys above Phil uh, that he easily jumps over, like right above him. In 10, 11, and 12, you got Panarin, Tarasenko, and Gaudreau. Those guys are all 
very good. Uh, I can't wait until Penguins camp starts. That's where I belong. That's what I want to talk about. To be very honest, everything else is just killing time. Uh, There was a survey of college football coaches conducted by CBSSports.com. And 20% of those surveyed said that Penn State coach James Franklin is overrated. He tied for the top of the list along with Willie Taggart of Florida State. One coach said about Franklin, quote, his coaching peers know he is full of it, unquote. I think Franklin has done a good job in a difficult situation at Penn State. Anonymous polls like this are more about who's a dink and who isn't. Franklin's definitely a dink, and that's why he is on top of this poll. Penn State, by the way, ranked number 10 in college football as the season uh, gets ready to kick off. Jeremy Fowler just tweeted this from ESPN. In the Steelers' official depth chart for week three of the preseason, two rookies, namely receiver James Washington and Terrell Edmonds, the safety, have moved up to second string. Both have had impressive moments over the last four weeks. John Bostick now listed as first-time inside linebacker. Well, John Bostick stinks. But the guy he moved ahead of, Tyler Matakevich, also stinks. And in terms of the rookies moving up the depth chart, they were always going to move up the depth chart. They were always thought of as being, you know, behind closed doors in the Steelers' offices further up the depth chart. But the Steelers hang on to this antiquated notion that you've got to keep dangling the carrot with rookies and not give them, you know, too much too soon. But uh, those guys are going to play major roles this year. Washington certainly is the number three receiver. And I think Terrell Edmonds, well, it depends on that dime dollar stuff. I think he needs to play a lot. I think you need to mine his upside as opposed to letting about a schmucks play where you know they're not going to be very good. It's like uh, Matt Williamson said, too. Cam Sutton has looked pretty good in practice. Maybe he's going to force his way onto the field. I've lost a lot of faith in Burns and Davis. I know the Steelers, too, have lost a lot of faith in Davis, but those guys were relatively high draft picks in 2016. Uh, Burns, the number one first-round pick, in fact. I think that you, I think that you uh, got to give them – you've given them enough time. They're not developing at the pace you hoped they would. Seriously, I'm going to compare it to uh, to uh, to what, uh, the guy in camp. I forget his name now, the cornerback. Liverpool just got awarded a penalty. Forgive me here. Jalen Ramsey. First-round pick, same year as Burns, 2016. Fifth overall as opposed to Burns, 25th overall. Look what Ramsey's done already and what Burns hasn't. I mean, Burns should at least be an established cornerback that you don't have to worry about. And believe me, they're worrying. If they're not, I'm worrying. Okay, James Milner steps up for the PK last minute of the first half. I would bet he misses. It's been an awful game for Liverpool. Nil-nil. But hopefully he puts one away. Here's the run-up. One-nil Liverpool. Good stuff by the captain. It'll be an undeserved lead at halftime, but I don't mind an undeserved lead now and again. 
Let's go to David and Ligonier. David, you're on with Double M. Hey, thanks for taking my call there, Double M. Right. I was just... I just calling. I, I don't understand what the Steelers see in Matikavich and Bostic. I mean, Matikavich's a journeyman that's been cut. Uh, I don't know how many teams, and they're they're one injury away on offense, and they'll not be ready from going from being a, a five hundred team. Oh, I think there's every danger they can be a five hundred team. I think the Le'Veon Bell situation is very unhealthy. Le'Veon Bell came to camp late last year, and people say, "Well, he came to camp camp late last year and did pretty well," but only pretty well. We tend to overrate a season. It was based on volume and not per carry, not per catch. This year he's coming to camp late and with one foot already out the door at season's end. So uh, I'm not expecting a lot from him, to be very honest. And uh, defensively, I think it could be an absolute disaster. They won, what was it, five games last year by, by three points or less. That's an awful yep. fine line, as the old coach used to say. Thank you for the call. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. Quite an enjoyable show so far today. We're going to talk a lot about the helmet rule at the top of the hour. Uh, let's get some calls in about the helmet rule. Do you think it's really going to change the game drastically? And do you think the game is being it's in decline? Hey, uh, I'll go into this in more detail later, but. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine who's really dialed into high school sports. He says roster sizes in the Whippeal for football are down all over the place. Steel Valley, which used to be a, a Whippeal power, still might be. I don't know. I don't really keep track of the standings much. They only have like 20-something kids out for football. Parents don't want their kids to play football. And we'll give you the review of the latest episode of Ballers as well. It is, as usual... Low on acting, but high on whimsy. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Damn it, I'll be popular in Pittsburgh yet. Hey, Mark, ball fan. I think i got to start with pulled pork nachos. Hey, super genius, how you doing today? Fantastic. The X at 105.9. Speaking of pulled pork, uh, Subway dropped off a couple of new sandwiches earlier today. Uh, pulled pork crunch topped with chili cheese Fritos. That's the one I had, and it was marvelous. Or the Cubano sub piled high with pulled pork and ham. Both available now for limited time at Subway, and we'll be giving a few Subway gift cards away a little bit later. That uh, pulled pork crunch was uh, just fantastic. Here's a tweet from Ryan Clark, the ex-Steeler. Now ESPN about that Steeler defense, which I think is going to stink. Clark tweeted, Pats fans, after watching the Steelers' defense this week, if they don't pick it up, they have no shot at dethroning the Pats. That's about right. I don't see how you can look at that Steeler defense to even talk about the Steelers challenging the Patriots, and I don't care how good the Steelers' offense is. I want your thoughts on that Steeler defense. I've been beating this drum for the best part of the week now. And it's almost as if you're afraid to talk about it. I think you think, oh, it'll be okay. And think of all the points the offense is going to score. Yeah! Win 35-34! Yeah! Didn't Pittsburgh just lose a playoff game 45-42? Yeah, but Ben threw those interceptions. It was Ben's fault. Because, of course, it's always Ben's fault. I just don't think you can challenge for what 
you think the Steelers can challenge for with the defense shaping up as bad as this one. I was incredibly sick over the weekend. Food poisoning, some virus, something like that. It wasn't the Steelers' defense. I was so sick. Listen to this. I lost 12 pounds in 24 hours. And there was nothing good about the way I did it. I still feel terrible. It started to hit me uh, Saturday night when I was at the River Hans game. I came home. I was basically up all night. And uh, yesterday I stayed in bed, stayed in the bathroom. Finally, I felt a little bit better in the evening, and I went to do the Channel 11 show. Because after all, why wouldn't I risk my health for 100 bucks? And I will say, I thought I did an okay job on the show. But you can look at me on the show and tell I'm sick. It's weird. I, I don't know how... Well, I can tell. I saw a tape of the show. I could tell I was sick. I just... I always look like an unmade bed. But I just looked a little green around the gills. How about here's some hot news in the Pittsburgh business world. Blush got sold. $15 million. That's the whole building and the one just across the alley, I believe Albert, my buddy, also owns. $15 million. So congratulations to Albert. And don't worry, guys. From what I understand, it's still going to be a strip club. You know, Blush has been fixed up a lot, and it looks pretty good inside, but still by strip club standards in, in the suburbs or, like, you know, in Vegas just off the strip. It's small, and it's crowded and all that, but a strip club in a downtown area can't be underestimated. I mean, you could walk from PPG Paints Arena to it, from Heinz Field to it, from PNC Park to it. Heck, it's practically in the outfield at PNC Park. It's how close it is. So like I said, congratulations to my buddy Albert. That's a, a pretty nice chunk of change to get in his old age. What do you spend that money on when you're old? I have far less than $15 million. But I have, you know, a decent amount of money. And I wonder what I should spend it on. Or if I should spend it at all and just, you know, wait till I have to be, you know, attended to constantly when I have to hire somebody because they don't have kids. That's going to be an irony in my life, you know. I'm not complaining. It's, it's my doing and decision. But, you know, I was a caregiver for my grandmother for two years when she had a bad illness and passed away. I was a caregiver for my mother, for primary caregiver, for almost three years when she got sick and passed away. And there's not going to be anybody for me. That's just the way life works out sometimes, I guess. No, I'm not taking volunteers. Uh, more important, in the new episode of Ballers, a black surfer with light skin gets mad because his skin gets darkened in an advertisement to make him appear more black. I don't say this flippantly. Think of when a Time magazine made OJ darker after he got arrested to make him appear more sinister. So this black kid's mad. So when he wins the big surfing competition, he raises his fist in a black power salute. And Dwayne Johnson says to Russell Brand, because they're partners now on the show, is he black enough now for you? 
It's a good way to invoke the NFL's anthem controversy, but with a different spin and without getting the NFL pissed off. Uh, That said, Ballers had the usual mangled acting, and I'm pretty sure tonight's new episode of Better Call Saul just might top it by a wide margin. Up next, talk about the helmet rule. I want your thoughts on the helmet rule. Is it going to ruin football? 105.9X.